Amen? In your Bible, we're going to talk just for a few minutes this morning. We're going to talk about the Christmas story because we have this wonderful opportunity at Christmas season to be able to look at it again. But in the process of that, we also, we're also in a series here talking about Elijah. Now, how do you bring Elijah into the Christmas story? I really uh, having a time, uh, it's difficulty doing that. But at the same time, we find that, I tell you, that the story of Jesus works in any given setting. So wherever you live, whatever your house number is, I, the story of Jesus will work for you. You may have to tweak it and may have to turn some new little ways and look at some things differently that you've ever looked at them before. But, but I tell you, the story of Jesus will work for you. It'll work for you. It'll work for your family. It'll work in your circumstance. It'll work in your situation. It'll work on your job. The story of Jesus will work for you. And Elijah, what we found out that's going on in life, Elijah, I'm just going to read one scripture there, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3, from that section of scripture this morning. And it's talking about Elijah, and he said, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. I want you to know, this is the bottom end of Elijah. This is at his worst moment. A fear has come against him, and he fears a lady named Jezebel, that he has, before then has stood against her. And stood as and been God's champion. In fact, he was able to subdue even those prophets that had served under Jezebel. But for some reason, she just sent him a message. And some way in the midst of that message, there's this tremendous fear that came upon Elijah. And now this verse finds him running for his life. But you can also drop down to the other verse as, as he began to run for his life. And then you know the story how he went into the cave. He was trying to be encouraged and God kept trying to encourage him. But he never could lift Elijah right back where he needed Elijah to be. Because in verse 15, God says to Elijah, go again. God brought his man in. God dealt with his man. God was putting something wonderful in his man. And then he said, now you go again. But Elijah couldn't go. In fact, what we find out that what God told Elijah to do, the three things that God told Elijah to do, he only was able to do one of those. And, and that's disheartening because this is the mighty man of the Lord. This is one person that loved God and that had done such great victories in the name of his God. And now God's telling him to go another assignment but I want you to know there's not a one of us here this morning that does not have an assignment from the Lord. We have been put on earth for a purpose. And the most wonderful thing in all of life is if we can find that purpose that God put us here to do and then to fulfill that purpose. I just want to encourage you. You may have given up on your dream, but please don't give up on God's dream. Because God has a dream for you that is so wonderful and you may have run to the end of yourself, but you haven't run to the end of God. And so what I'm asking you to do, I really want you to consider what I can do or what it is that God's dealing with me about or what I'm feeling drawn toward or what it is that God wants. I believe the Lord. I believe God can change your whole neighborhood. I believe God can change your house. I believe if we just get a hold to God's dream, God can change my marriage, and God can change my situation with my children that's becoming difficult. There's nothing that God cannot do and not willing to do if we're willing to say, God, I'm here for your purpose. So my heart is that there this morning as we're celebrating on December the 22nd, that it can be out of your heart. You just say, Lord, 
I'm tired of trying to do it my way. I'm ready to yield to do it your way. And I want to live your purpose in my life. Well, to find the answer for that, then we're going all the way over to the Christmas story. Because we find that this fear, and I want you to know, fear is always the opposition that is sent against you to stop whatever it is that God wants you to do. Now, you may can do your thing without fear, but you can't do God's thing without facing fear. And there's all types of fears that the enemy sends against you. In fact, it's almost comical when you begin to do a little bit of study of what types of fears out there. You know, there's a, there's a real fear that's listed as afraid of a belly button. Can you imagine that? There's another fear that says, I'm afraid of pretty girls. <laughs> there's all types of fears that's been sent to stop us in our life. Now, I want to bring it more home this morning because I'm going to mention five fears that are basic fears, but I want you to know the Christmas story, for the Christmas story to have been a success, it had to be people that were more dedicated to God than they were dedicated to their fear. And they were willing to oppose their fears to see the purpose of God fulfilled. And that's my challenge in your life, is that we this morning would some way get a view of God in our life to where that we would desire to do what God put us on earth to do, to live as God put us on earth to live, to follow as God put us on earth to follow, and to carry out the mission that God had put us on earth, that, that we, would, we would fear that, we would fear missing that more than we would fear the fear that the enemy has sent against you to stop you. Now, there's not a person here that doesn't face fear in some way. And all of us, we, every one of us have those secret fears, those fears we don't want anybody to know about, right? But there's some bigger type fears, the obvious things that's been sent against us to stop us. And the sooner we come to grips and we can see that fear as my enemy, and sooner as I come to grips with that thing and I can begin to resist that fear that's trying to control me, because, see, that fear is determined that this marriage will fail too. And that fear is determined that you will never change your economic situation. And that fear, it says to you, you will never be different. And that fear says that you are going to be the same as your grandmother, you're going to be the same as your grandfather, things are not going to get any better for you. And all those fears, but in the name of Jesus. Don't you love that precious name? Because what that means to me is a new start. Man, when, I, when you just say the name of Jesus, it immediately occurs to me to a baby, but it didn't stay a baby. He grew up and, and he won, he was victorious in life and victorious over the things that tried to oppose him. And in that same message, that's what God's trying to tell us. That we too can be willing to face that fear. Amen? So I'm calling this a fear not Christmas. Everybody say a fear not Christmas. That's why we're calling it a fear not. I'm just determined I'm going to fear not <laughs> I'm going to fight those things. I'm going to push back those things that's, that's trying to push me back. I'm going to, I'm going to fight this thing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Wow. First one I want to talk about is Mary faced the fear of inadequacy. It makes us feel like a failure. And I want you to know, if, if I'm connected to God's purpose for me in life, if some way I've got an idea of what God put me here to be, if somewhere I've got a feeling, I, I want you to know one of the major fears we're going to have to deal with is that feeling that I'm inadequate for this. I'm not going to be able to handle this. 
And out of that becomes that tremendous sense because I don't want to be a failure. But I want us to look at Mary as she faced that in Luke chapter 1, verse 29. Do you know there's, you know there's four times, do you know one common statement that's throughout the Christmas story? The common statement is this, fear not. The common statement that's in all the appendages out of the Christmas story is fear not. You know what God's saying to me today? Fear not. You know what the Lord's saying to you? Fear not. You know what the Lord said to Mary? He said, Mary, fear not. You know what the Lord said to Joseph? Fear not. And you know what the Lord said to the shepherds? Fear not. You know what he said to Zechariah? All, all of these are part of the Christmas story. He said, fear not. The common thread. See, because that common thread that every one of us fight. And you're not the only one, honey, that's had to fight against all hell to be able to do something or be something or change something for the glory of God. It is the power of God that comes in. The Bible says it's God that gives me the strength to overcome whatever it is that's trying to stop me. And I pray, I I determine this morning, I can't give you the dream. Only God can give you that dream. But I've I've had people, I've been able to witness some dreams. I've been able to see some dreams. I've been able to see some people that would say that their dream was that I would be able to raise a family. That I was raised in such a hell on earth situation that God's going to change it for me. And, and I've got a dream of having a happy family. I've got a dream of my children finishing high school. I've got a dream of my children going to college. I've got a dream of overcoming this health issue that I'm fighting and to come out of things. I've got a dream that God God has put a mission in my life. And what's sent against that dream is fear. So Luke chapter 1 verse 29, it simply says, Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Boy, I would think that too. Can you imagine here a 15 or probably 15-year-old young woman, an angel appeals to her and said, The Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Mary, you're pregnant. Can you imagine being a young girl in her teens and having that? Can you imagine how much fear? I remember Lane when she was in her 30s and she came back again and said, I'm pregnant. I remember what fear she fought. <laughs> but can you imagine? Can you imagine the fear? That Mary fought. And then at the same breath, the angel began to speak to her and say, This thing that is born of you is of God. And by the way, can you just hear the angel say, And by the way, that that is born of you is God. And can you imagine, we can look back on that and we say, Wow, what a wonderful, isn't that just wonderful? But I'm going to tell you what wonderful that little 15 year old girl. Because she had such fears. Number one, would anybody ever believe her? Would she, I wonder what that conversation went like when she sat down with her mother. And she said, Mom, I'm pregnant, but I've never had sex. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what, what that conversation would have been like? I, what about the conversation that she would have had with Joseph? 
Joseph, I know that we're engaged, but guess what? I'm pregnant, and you're not the daddy. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Man, it's all, in fact, she's a little 15-year-old girl. I don't know how many brothers and sisters she may have had. I don't know what her family or grandparents, I don't know, but usually they lived in whole house sections like that. But no one knew the secret but her. Can you imagine what fear? Can you imagine how inadequate she felt as a teenager in the brave motherhood? Can you imagine how much hurt she felt when her mother and her father didn't believe her? And we know that because they did not accompany her. And we know also at first that, that Joseph didn't believe her. She was all alone. Literally, she was all alone with a dream that had come from God. And then she had the responsibility of raising God. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an awesome little feeling of inadequacy? Lord, I can't even straighten out anything. And you want me to raise God? <laughs> the feeling inadequacy. But I dare say, what is it that's going on in your life that you feel inadequate about? Has the Lord given you a new job challenge? Has He given you an, a new opportunity? Is there a door opening for you? And that fear says you better not walk through it because you sure will fail. What door is what door is the Lord? Everybody say the Lord. Now, now some of you feel like you're just in this life doing your own thing, but I want you to know there is a power that is at work behind the scenes, and I dare say to tell you that it is the Lord. And it is the Lord that's working for you. Because, see, God doesn't have a bad dream for you. In fact, the word of the Lord tells us what God's dream is for us. It's to give us a future and it's to give us a hope. So I don't know what it is that may have stolen your hope, but I tell you the one that's trying to raise your hope up. See, somebody say, well, God's my enemy. I want you to know he's not your enemy. He's your friend. And God is on your side and everybody else in your family may be against you. Everybody on the job may be against you. But I tell you, somebody that's for you, even when you're wrong, he's still for you because he loves you that much. You never, ever, ever have to face anything alone. Amen. But I just wonder what it is that could be trying to stop you. What could it be that's, that's trying to stop what God has called you to do? What is? What could it be that's trying to narrow your life down? The second fear. The second fear came in the place of Joseph. Joseph faced the fear of disapproval. I mean, rejection is a hard thing. I know that many of you have been rejected by people that you deeply, deeply loved. Many of you here in this place, you have been rejected by a mate that you feel like that you gave your all for and that mate rejected you, hurt you, crushed your heart. Some of you have been rejected by parents and, and maybe they didn't know any better or maybe they didn't mean to, but in the process of life, that's kind of like what happened. You sensed that rejection. You, you, you went through that and that, that thing of the disapproval. 
that fear of disapproval, the fear of man that's taken a hold? What is it that God may be possibly asking you to do that the fear of man is keeping you from doing it? What is the dream? You, you say, well, well, Jerry, I really feel that God has put this in my heart. I really believe that this is what I feel that God wants me to do. This, this Jerry, this is really what I feel. Then I say, why aren't you doing it? You've got to know you are always being inadequate when it comes to God's purposes because God wants, God wants to do something for you that you can't do. And that's why we're always, you know, well, I don't have the strength. Well, we're not dependent on our strength. It's called grace. Somebody shout grace. It's called grace. It's when God comes in me, does something that I do not deserve, and then God can do something through me. What I'm telling you is if God's put it in your heart to do something, you can step out on that water because it is God that is depending on being the source for you during that to do that. It is God is your source. God's put in your dream to overcome cancer. Then I want you to know God has put within you the strength to fight that thing and to come out of that thing for the glory of God. And I'm sitting right here right now with, with Dwayne. And, and just months ago, he was given up and given up one month to live. And doctors could, and Dwayne, stand up there very quickly. And then the doctors, they, they could not, the wonderful doctors, good doctors, but they could not turn this, his sentence around. Cancer had eaten him up and there was nothing he could do. Now what he did was he believed despite what he felt and what he was facing. And for a year or several months, we watched Dwayne do that. When he could just barely have the strength to put one foot in front of the other. He continued to do that, fighting back against what was coming against him. And he continued to put one foot in front of the other, one foot. But then after just a few months of him resisting, something beautiful began to happen. That the doctors still yet, even last weekend, they said, we've never seen anybody do this before. (laughs) Dwayne, I'm so thankful. You my buddy and you my pal, but I am so thankful. I am so thankful that God did a work of God for you. So I don't know what it is, but I do know this. If God puts something in your heart, he's willing to supply whatever it takes to do it. Somebody says, God put in my heart to start a business, but I don't have the means. God was taken for the Lord to put it in your heart. Then God knows he is also becoming the source for that. Because when it's said and done, God doesn't want you to sit back and say, look what my ingenuity did. God wants you to be able to sit back and show others what God's love for you did for you. Because God does love you there. And to fight that, that thing of disapproval. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, you can be sure of this. There's going to be those that are going to think you cannot do it. And you're going to have to make a decision. If the Lord's put this dream in my heart, then this thing will come to pass. And you have to make a decision. And sometimes... Sometimes family won't understand that. Sometimes they won't. I remember when, when I gave my heart to the Lord because I'd been involved in things that were not right. When I came to the Lord, I was com- immediately ousted out of my family. 
And I can, I can remember that the very, the, the very sense of that. And I can remember the night that I drove out of my town. I can remember because, that my, because I'd been ousted because of my faith. Because I felt God had put a dream in me. I could not do what I had previously done anymore. I couldn't handle money the way that I had previously handled money. I could not be involved in the things I'd previously. I had to allow God to change my life. And the Lord had put a dream inside of me. And that dream was that God could change me. And that dream, I went for that dream. And I'm going to tell you, and then for about two or three years, I was ousted. I was not able to fellowship, especially with certain members of my family, because they felt that I had gone off on the other direction, gone against them by some way desiring to serve the Lord and some way desiring for my life to change it, some way desiring. But I tell you what, it changed. When they could finally see it was God as my source, that sure, I had tried many things in my life and failed every one of them. I've been a mess in business. I've been a mess in life. I was a mess in marriage. I was a mess. I've been trying to be a parent, but I'm going to tell you what. So when Jesus put that dream inside me, that if I could allow him, something different could happen through my life. And then as I began to yield to that difference and began to challenge uh, and, and not care that I was not approved of, I cared. There's many a night that I would lay on my in my bed and I would cry many a tear because I was rejected by my family. But I love God to the point that I could not allow others to control me. And so at that moment, then God began to work a change. And the Lord is always so wonderful. Then he brought that wonderful family after about three years back into my life where that I could, where I could have the wonderful fellowship that I'd always wanted. And this time, because I was a different person, then I could have a different relationship with them. And I want you to know, many of you are going to find that, that when you decide to really move out toward the Lord, you're going to find disapproval from so many members of your family. You're just going to have to make that decision. Number three, third fear. The shepherds faced the fear of a sudden change. We know they were out there and all of a sudden the light began to... And in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it uses that word suddenly. And you need to think about that. Sudden change brings such fear up in all of our life. I'll be honest with you, I'm a creature of habit just like you are. And I don't want things to change. I like to get in a rut <laughs> and let that rut keep going. But that's not the Lord. Because God is always challenging us and moving in us. He's challenging us to be different. Anger, come and hug my neck, would you? I love this young lady. I watched, I walked with her and Brett as served the Lord for, for about 30 years or so together, really more than that, but I don't want to tell them how old I am. <laughs> but I saw Inga and Brett, I, I, they, they met in this church. They went to the singles group in this church. They married in this church. The most glorious wedding I've ever, ever been to was when I went to their wedding. It was so special. They've had a glorious life together. But you know what happened just a few months ago. Brett left us. A sudden change came into Inga's life. And I'll be honest with you. At first, I hated that thing. I hated my daughter having to be alone. 
I hated that. But you know what? You wasn't alone, was you? But I watched God just in the last few months move in to enter into a situation that seemed so hard for me. But God sustained you and He strengthened you. And out of that, every one of us in this church has just watched your life blossom and bloom. Because when sudden change happened, you didn't fear it. You faced it. And you allowed your life to grow from it. And I want to tell you what, girl. You were a spiritual girl before. But lady, you got me this time. I mean, you are so far out ahead of me. I love, Inga, what God's done in your life. Now, I still miss Brett. I miss him so much. But what God's done in your life, girl, is so wonderful. I'm so proud of her. Aren't you? Amen. Amen. So sudden change, there's such fear because we, we think about loss. We, we think about bad things. But, but the Lord says don't do that because the only thing that will not change in our life is God. He's the only, he's the only force. I mean, things are going to change. If we're going to be alive, things are going to change. In every door of change, though, there is God's help and God's strength to help us. So if we will fight past that fear, <laughs> I want you to know you may be, this may be a, real unusual Christmas for you you may be alone kids may have gone off and left you things may have really changed but I want you to know God hasn't changed and God is the strength that will help you through this and if you will hold on to God and allow His grace to be the strength in you God not only will bring you through this thing eventually God will bring you over this thing and this very thing in your life that seems so bad and so devastating today one day you will be able to turn around and give glory for it because truly you will be able to witness what the word of God says all things truly do work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to the purpose the fourth fear the fourth fear came from King Herod he was literally the physical king of the Jews and it was the fear of losing control because him being king and, and he had this tremendous fear that someone else was going to control something that he had control over. In fact, he was so abusive with this, he killed his mother, he killed his wife, he killed two sons because he thought they were trying to take over. And then all of a sudden he heard that Jesus was the real king of the Jews. And when he heard that, He couldn't stand that. And that's the way the fear of control is. The people that try to control you the most are really people that fear the most. Do you know how to know that the fear of control is trying to work in your life? It's when situations and people take place and you find yourself worrying. Worry is the first stage, is the very first step of that work of control 
I dare say, if you're, find, if you're here today and you're finding yourself laying in bed at night worrying about things, I want to tell you, you can't control things. There's only one that can, and his name is God. And you can worry all you want to, but it's not going to change anything. You've got to begin to yield to the Lord and trust God that God is big enough and able to handle that for his glory. So just determine, I'm not going to be a controller. And you almost determine, I'm not going to be controlled. There's one influence, the Bible says, supposed to be, it's the influence of love. We influence, but we don't control. We influence, but we don't control. And Herod didn't understand that. So to control the situation, he had, he had the babies killed. He took control. Honey, you don't have to take control. You can trust God. Whatever it is. Now, the Lord will prompt you to do things. He will lead you how to handle things. He will guide you at how to do. He will help you to, to, uh, to rise up and to, and to be strong in a situation. But you will not be known as a controller. Because those that are controllers, they're controlled by a fear. And we don't have to have that. So whatever it is, I just want you to learn to release it to the Lord. Man, cast the Bible says, cast all your care over on him. That's why we have we cast it on the Lord. We just say, Lord, cast this. I'm just going to cast this on you. I, Lord, I can't stop him from doing that, but I can cast it over on you, Lord. Lord, I can't stop them from doing that, but I'm going to cast it on you. It doesn't help for me to worry about it, Lord. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to yield it to the Lord. Amen. The last one. Zechariah faced the fear of being disappointed. So that's where I want to leave it today. What is it in your life that you've been disappointed over? Zachariah, he had wanted a baby so real in his life. He had, he had prayed for a baby for years. He had, in, in fact, you know how it is, that that you don't have becomes your focus of your life, that even if it shouldn't be the focus of your life. I mean, when you, when you have something, we just kind of get, well, we got it and we just go on and forget about it. But, but that that we don't have, man, it becomes a focus. And if you're not careful, it will become the control of your life. The Bible wants us to be able to pray about things, lay it on the altar of the Lord, and then trust the Lord. Uh, because of this fear of disappointment, that's the reason we get credit card debt to, to the amount that we do. We, we, we get ourselves out on the limbs because we're not trusting God. <laughs> we're, we're not waiting on the Lord. And so I just, I just believe the Lord's word to us this morning is we don't have to live a disappointed life. We can trust in the Lord. And you may say, Jerry, I've been praying about this for three years, but you know what? It may take four years. Somebody says, I've been waiting on them to change. I've been waiting on things to change. But you just may have to continue to believe the Lord. Because the Bible says, if you will ask and believe, that you shall receive. Now, we've had Dwayne. I can't see him in here. Dwayne, are you there somewhere? Dwayne Gordon? Where's Dwayne at? Where's he at? Oh, come here, come here. 
Come here. Give me, you're Laura. Come here. Come here, guys. Laura, come on with me. Now, please, Laura, don't faint. I'm just putting you on the spot. <laughs> I don't. I, I really don't mean to embarrass you in any way. I just. I just want to. I just want to delight in what God's doing. Now, Dwayne and Laura, they're two exactly like Zachariah and Elizabeth. Well, do you know you got a new name? They wanted a child so badly in their life. In fact, it, it became a real disappointment. Or when I look at you, darling, I could just see the disappointment because it had been a number of years and, and you guys had waited and waited. But you know what they did? They began to take that disappointment and, and turn it to where they would find a child where it could be encouragement in their life. So what they started doing, they started attending every prayer meeting. And I know that Dwayne's work schedule, I knew it wouldn't hardly handle that. And I knew that the things, and, and but what they did, they started attending every prayer meeting. At the end of that prayer meeting, I'm, I'm just tell off on you guys, okay? At the end of that prayer meeting, after all those years of waiting, she would just sit there and Dwayne would ask us to pray for her. And so we would just join together and we'd pray there just for a moment. We'd ask the Lord for that baby. And you know what happened within three months? She got pregnant. Now, now we're talking about several years, right? We're talking about several years of waiting. And you tell me what the chances are. What's the chances of that? The chances that when they moved out of discouragement and started moving toward encouragement and found a way to handle their disappointment. When they did that, they found a way to handle it. Things began to move miraculously for them. Now, we've got one coming up here real soon, so I'm just so thankful, man. Let's give them a hand. Would you mind bowing your head with me just a brief moment? The kids are fixing to join us, and we're going to have a last carol, Christmas carol, with the kids as as kids and parents, we're all just going to sing a Christmas girl. But let's take a moment and let's think about our disappointment. Let's think about the things that we have allowed to grow into a real disappointment. The dreams that we've given up on. Those things that God put in our heart that we've let drift to the wayside. And we don't even allow ourselves to think about them because if we thought about them, it would be discouraging to us. But the Lord says, I hadn't forgot about them. I just love that scripture in Isaiah 41. It said, Fear thou not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you, he said, with the right hand of my righteousness. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't that a powerful, wonderful promise? Isn't that so powerful? He said, Fear not. If I won't fear, if I will handle, still having the fear of disappointment, if I will find another way to handle this, to think about it, if I will not be disappointed, if I will some way do it differently to where God will be able to encourage me this thing still can change and this thing can still turn I want you to know that's what happened in Lane and I's marriage we separated so many times I, I tell you I was, I was the worst worst husband in the world and really she couldn't live with me and she gave up on the last time I went to try to pick her up from the time that she had left me, 
It was there no more. Because of all of that, she completely had lost love for me. But you know what? God had another plan. Whatever it is, wherever that disappointment has come from, I want you to just take a quick minute, would you? You that's facing those disappointments, I want you to pray. I want you to just quietly rehearse something like this. I want you to say, Lord, I'm sorry for giving up on your dream. I want to dream your dreams. I want to live your life. I want to do your plan. Lord, my plan didn't work out. What I wanted, it didn't work out, Lord. But I come today asking you, Lord, to revive in me what tried to die. To revive in me, Lord. Revive in me, God, what I've laid aside and been disappointed with. Help me, Lord, to handle my disappointment in another way. And Lord, cause your grace to once again cause me to believe and cause me to rise up in the midst of this discouragement. And in the name of Jesus, we will see it, Lord. We will see it happen. Now, very quickly, just right there, the head stand still bowed, just quick a moment. You that need to ask the Lord to forgive you, this is the moment you can do that. The Bible says if we confess our sins, the Lord's faithful and just. Right there in your heart right now, you can just simply say, Father, I'm sorry for failing you. I'm sorry for going my own way. I need your forgiveness. Man, I have to pray that every day in my life. Because every day I fail so many times. But never, ever has God given up on me even when I gave up on myself. So if you need the Lord's forgiveness, go ahead and ask Him right there. Do it in your heart. Just say, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. In Jesus' name, amen.